All right. I'd like to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Ross. And I'm Chris Johnson. Chris, what's new? So right now, I'm really busy trying to find things to, uh, I'm not going to say entertainment, but uh, things that are going to bring me little bits of joy. Uh, so two new projects that I have. Yeah. Uh, recently, Jared has requested that we do a, a, a write our bios. And I've been struggling with that. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think I'm a humble guy, but I'm not. Uh-huh. Uh, so you can just put nerd for your bio. Well, hear me out. Okay. 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 Uh, I, I saw something the other day. I thought of you, but. Well, so how, how am I supposed to, you know, I can't say that I'm the, the lodestone uh, nerd or the, the lodestone artist because I'm not quite fully there. I'm, I'm kind of a hobbyist and all of that. And Kirk really blows me out of the water when it comes to the nerd stuff. I mean, he really does. Yeah. Uh, so as I'm diving down the rabbit hole of what the, the internet is, and man, it's immense, uh, I came across the old G.I. Joe um, little uh, cards that used to come on the back of the toys. Now, I know Jer- Jared is considerably older than I am, so I don't know if you played with the the little G.I. Joe figures, you probably had the big, giant Kendall ones. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I didn't. Okay, well, um, so I'm reading through all I, these cards. I did have a Storm Shadow, and I did have a uh, Snake Eyes. You see, uh, I never liked Snake Eyes nor Storm Shadow yeah. because I, would, I never fell into that whole American Ninja trap. The, well, the whole, that's an American classic movie right there. Yeah, yeah, okay. The, the, whole, the whole Ninja thing, it doesn't doesn't do anything for Oh, Shoka Shoe Guy in the 80s? He was the man. Uh, yeah. So I'm reading all these cards, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I have to admit that they are bringing some happiness into my life. <laughs> I, I, I have been, yeah. You know, we've joked about my He-Man collection here. The nostalgia thing is, is really kicking. I don't think I'm going to start collecting GI Joe, but I am enjoying reading the little the little cards. The cards, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you guys are bored at work, and uh, you know, it might might be entertaining for you. The other thing is uh, homeschooling with the girls. We have started shop class, and we are making uh, cutting boards. Oh, yeah? Uh, because, well, the internet again. And uh, so that that is awesome. It is really awesome to be in the shop with the girls, and they're all involved. They are all excited about it. Uh, Gwen is in there. She's run the miter saw, uh, chopping boards, and the girls are laying out their patterns and doing the glue ups, and yeah, we we've had some uh, some fun this week. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's the little things we got to find the positives yeah. in, in dark times. Uh, so that that's been enjoyable, you know. I, I say dark times. Uh, there have been some pretty positives this. Uh, this week, I mean, like some of you waking up Wednesday morning, that was kind of a a pleasant wake up after the last time we woke up after a Tuesday voting in November. <laughs> um, man, I'm I was happy to see that. I hope that it continues. Um, it said, you know, the pendulum swings. Yeah, and people are waking up. And I know today I I filled up the forerunner and. I don't like to get below a quarter of, or three quarters of a tank, and I've been doing a lot of running around. And I was at half tank. Man, when I looked at that price, whew, yeah, 
uh, not happy about that. Assuming everything stays status quo and you know the world doesn't implode, uh, we've got one more year, and you know, just like the the package they just um, the Democrats just passed. Uh, the one point, whatever oh, the infrastructure, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they're going to push hard this next year to, to get as much passed and as much change as possible because they know, again, if everything stays status quo, they know that the next election that uh, there's going to be a huge swing. Yeah. Um, so I was attempting to do work and uh, had background music playing earlier this week, and uh, the OCs came on. I don't. I know I've started. Yeah. yeah. So the the main dude. Uh, who is pretty much the OCs. It's just revolving uh, um, musicians with him is uh, John Dyer. And uh, he's such a nerd. And, and I thought of you because like, I'm hearing this music. Oh, that's a good song, but this is a live version. So it makes it even better. And I glanced over at the screen while I was typing. And, and then it just happened to have a close-up of him with his guitar. And uh, for the, the, um, the dials for like the tone and, and the uh, um, volume, it was eight-sided die, cut in half. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, he's such a Dungeons and Dragons nerd." Yep, Chris. Chris would appreciate that. Yeah, I approve. I yeah, approve. Yeah, that was my thought. Anyways, well, now we've been rambling for a little while. Hey, thanks for for tuning in and, and listening. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, static and dynamic training, and not static versus but we're going to be talking about about both because there's definitely advantages i, I think you need to i do. think the key word there is and yeah it's not a versus we're not making a comparison we're talking about why we do it yeah exactly and and one of the reasons why i've wanted to go to this is still I, i'm seeing and i've been exposed to uh, you know, even recently people who just don't understand and and try to throw the verses in there and and think that one is is better or superior than the other and because of this misunderstanding um what it's causing then is people who are going to classes and, and going to and getting some training they're just getting misinformation and they're not getting trained uh, as they should and, and as you know or as you should know when it comes to the vast majority of our firearms training we are not teaching and our company isn't established to to teach you how to do better at a competition. That that's not our point. Sure, you can learn stuff from us, and you can perform better in competitions. But but that's not our our drive. Where our drive is combat. Our drive is is a fight. Uh, we are trying to teach and prepare you for the realities of a gunfight and how to win and how to survive that gunfight if and when that moment ever comes uh, to you. And as you know, if if my family can suffer a home invasion, and if my wife has to defend, had to defend the home with a shotgun, it can ha if it happened to us, it can certainly happen to you. So that's, again, that is our motivation. So with some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, that's the end state. That's, that's one of the whole reasons for lodestone training and consulting and us adopting this light fighter uh, stance, this light fighter, you know, concept of you being well-rounded and prepared to face those those threats. Um, so this isn't, none of the things we're going to be talking about is going to be knocking, say, competition shooting, which there's so many things you can definitely uh, learn from and benefit from doing competition shooting. But there are, I won't say the principles are different because the principles of shooting are the same, but techniques are definitely different when you're trying to shoot balloons faster than the next guy or running some of these other competitions. And when you have stages that you're you're memorizing before you go mm -hmm. into the situation. Yeah. You know, I I don't know about you, Jared, but in the gunfights I've had, 
we didn't have that, you know, little meeting beforehand and said, okay, bad guy one, you're going to stand here. Bad guy two, you're going to stand here. Yeah. I'm going to come around this corner and I'm going to engage the two of you. Uh, I think there is great value in competition because it gives you a stressor. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. It really is. I like blind competition where I don't know what the stage is. I just, you know, uh, fifth group runs a, um, for the, uh, group anniversary, they run a, um, two gun. That's a blind two gun. It's like a mile run. Um, you get up to your first targets and all the targets are steel and they're painted different colors. And that tells you pistol or rifle basically. And you shoot until the target's down. Yeah. I think that is awesome. And you have that competition. You're trying to do better than the next guy. So you have that um, that stake in the game where it, it's driving you versus, say, something. And one of my mentors is a Cowboy 3-gunner, all the Cowboy 3-gunners out there. It is awesome. I love to watch it. But he has definitely changed his mindset over he practices those specific uh, stages. And before a stage, he sits there and maps it out, you know, uh, play plays this scenario over and over and over because it's a game mm -hmm. and he recognizes it as a game. So you have to understand what are you doing? Are you playing a game? Or are you training for a real world encounter? Shooting is shooting. Absolutely. But we don't want to get into that mindset of, um, you know, I, I have to shoot a five hand or whatever the, the, the drill is. Yeah. So one of the mistakes that I see a lot when you're doing dynamic training is because you're moving and that or the but before you go let's for some individuals who might not understand exactly what we're talking about so we're talking static versus dynamic so static you really there's no movement you're doing marksmanship you're, you're working on fundamentals uh, in static ranges they can be anything from like like LCPCPC, where we have that, that the flat range that we mm -hmm. use a lot, that uh, on the one side, it only goes back to, what, 50? Yes. Yeah. So there's, even though we do a lot of movement on there, it's designed to, for really no movement. Yeah, it's that known distance. You you know where you're at yeah. in, a re in relation to the target. You're taking a lot of variables out so you can focus just on those fundamentals. Yeah. So then a dynamic range or dynamic training, there's, there's movement involved. It's more... More variables. Yep. Uh, there's going to be situations you're not going to be at a 90 degree to the target. Um, more things to get. I, I don't want to say, uh, you know, monkey wrenches in the, in the works, but yeah. there are more th more problems to solve. Exactly. So you're focusing on addressing the problems as well as the fundamentals. Okay. So with, with that definition, yeah, okay. go ahead and so what you're saying. One of the problems that I often see when people are doing dynamic training when we're doing like the um level two class so we're doing walking just most simple basic of all the dynamic training we're going to walk forward at the target people get so wrapped about walking and they're still not applying the eight fundamentals yeah and when we talk about it in the basic class about the eight fundamentals how you need to do these well so that when you start moving uh, you can compensate for if, you know, Hey, I'm, I have to take that shot, but I'm, I can't control my breathing or I have to take that shot and I'm standing on one foot. You're doing everything else correctly. So you're going to hit where you want to hit as close to as possible. So I'll see people make the mistake in dynamic training where they're throwing shots. Yeah. They're missing 
but they they will tell themselves, oh, it's okay because I'm being dynamic. I'm moving, so it's okay to throw a shot. And I'll tell you, it's never okay to throw a shot. If that shot does not hit your target, what's, you know, gun safety, 101. Yeah. Know what your target is what's and what's beyond it. Where did that round go? So I see the ex- people making the excuse, well, it's okay because I was running or I was moving. So I was, it's more dynamic. It's okay to miss. Well, one of the things that we've done as a company is we've established different levels, level one, level two, level three, yeah, and level one marksmanship where we're teaching people those fundamentals of, of shooting, how to make holes in paper where you want them to. And then level two, that's where we start introducing movement and, uh, and barricades and stuff. We start getting to that real world, start doing some dynamic stuff. Then level three, that's at that point, yeah, we're really, you're, you're in the middle of the world. That's when we're doing stuff with the vehicles and, and a lot of stuff at night. Uh, force on force at night. We're doing the 360. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we have that established that way, and it's we try to be as clear as possible on the website. These are the things we're accomplishing, so people can know uh, if I want to come and take a class and I, I want to better myself. Where do I fit with my own personal progress? So one of the mistakes that I've seen people make, some of the misunderstanding is um, I had a conversation with an individual. He said, I was checking out your website. I want to do your, your vehicle class. I'm like, okay, great. Uh, wh- what kind of background do you have? Where, ha- where have you trained and, and what, uh, you know, what things have you trained on? Be- because we're not so arrogant that we're going to require every single person that if you want to do a level three, you have to do our, our level one. If, if they have a good background, if they've got good training, there are plenty of good, reputable trainers and training companies out there that, sure, you can come in. Um, so he's like, well, I, I took this, this one class, one rifle class. I'm like, okay. So you had one class. Yeah. How long was it? It was a day. Okay. So you, don't you think you should, should tone it down and you know, like maybe, you know, maybe come to our, our level one class? Because for those of you who haven't checked out the website or don't know, um, our level one class, the marksmanship series, that's, that's three days. So we, that takes a person who potentially has you know never touched a firearm before and you're getting out of the box as well as experienced shooters who who've never been to an organized class before and we take them through the the fundamentals and then our level two class that's also three days so that's uh, you know another three days of learning how to move and um with your firearm or shooting barricades also then we get the combative so you're fighting from the ground and, and basically starting to be introduced into this real world so he's like i had one class and and i'm ready to go to your level three so then i asked him well what did you do in this one day class well it was the most basic rifle class from this company and within the third drill we we're doing transitions and then on the fourth drill we were running around and i like whoa, 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 wait a minute so this is their basic rifle class and you went from zeroing your weapon to now you're doing transitions and, and then now you're, you're, you're running around and doing stuff. He's like, yeah, yeah, it, it was great. I learned a lot. So whoever, and I forget honestly who, who he went to or who this uh, you know, company or, or individual was who's offering this training. So the basic one went from zero to a hundred. And I guarantee you that anyone who attended there, they don't have that sure foundation that they, they don't know how to, to accurately get, you know, hits on, on, on paper. They completely glossed over the fundamentals and went right to, hey, let's have fun. So now it's he's in fantasy world, fantasy camp, yeah. and he thinks he's ready to come and perform at, at, a, at our level three class, and it's just not the case. So because of 
this lack of understanding of the importance of, of static training and, and how to you know, work two together, but this lack of understanding of building a sure foundation on, on these basic principles um, is just doing a complete disservice to, you know, to that individual and anyone else who, who's taking that kind of training. This is one of the, the problems that I see in the, uh, the training industry is there are so many people that are taking their reputations, they're good guys that have done good things, but now they're just after money. And they're out there just to entertain folks. Yeah. So that, you, that's clearly what this was. You, just you have you have the two. What I see, you have the guys that will keep everyone close to the target and make them feel really good because they are hitting the paper and never push anyone. Mm-hmm. Never. Okay, we're going to do support hand. You know, we do support hand shooting in the level one class. Why do we do that? Because it's a basic skill, and that's the this, the class to reconfirm the basics. And that's an important thing that I say there, reconfirm the basics. If you have taken the level three class, you know, we, we talk about, well, what's, what's the next thing? Go to the level one class. <laughs> well, I've already done the level one class. Awesome. I do the level one class every time before I deploy Arsifalc, you do the basics that first week before you do anything more advanced. Yeah. You spend those hours doing those drills. There is a great benefit to that. We have a lot of students that come to us because of our structure that we have that will come to those beginning classes because it gives them structured drills. And when I first came on board, you know, I'd see a guy that I'd seen at the level three, I'd see him at the level one, and I'd be like, that's awesome. That's this guy gets it. He understands the the principles behind it. Yeah. And it's not we're not running a fantasy camp. We're not here to we're here to make people better, not feel better. We're not here as a, a form of entertainment. I'm I like to think of myself as an entertaining guy. Uh but yeah, we, we laugh at you all the time. I know, I know. I, I'm okay being the uh the <laughs> LTAC jester or whatever. Um but what we are here is to instruct. We're here to make people better. And I say it in classes all the time that I'm an instructor. Like if, if I had to sum up who I am as a person, I don't care if I'm teaching photography. I don't care if I'm teaching my daughter's woodworking, which I'm doing right now, uh, or I'm on the flat range teaching just basic marksmanship to see someone grow. That's the juice for me. Yeah. That's what makes it worth well, it. And that's part of the reason why we structured the, uh, the A team and the B team membership uh, offering so those people who are serious uh, they're getting half off when they are, are repeating those classes so you know just encouraging them come back get some more reps in do some more refinement so for us with with the static training uh, really both the level one rifle classes and the level one pistol classes you know, it's all geared around marksmanship so those classes and each one is, is three days long if you take it in, in its entirety. What we're doing is we're focus on, focusing on those eight principles of shooting. And, and again, some people like to, you know, they like the 20-minute abs, but they're going to one-up it. They're going to do 19-minute abs. So they're going to one-up it. They're going to do 15-minute abs. One-up four-minute abs. Exactly. So there's, there's people who are like, oh, well, there's eight, but, but we can get by. And they want to cut corners initially. We, we're going to do with, with seven principles. Oh, there's really only three that you need to worry about. You're not going to have the perfect stance in a gunfight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. But you need that solid foundation. So for those 
level one classes on that static range, I mean, the only pressure, the only stress initially is, is just, I'm going to have to shoot in front of other people. And for some people, especially if it's your first experience, your first class, that's stressful enough. That's, I remember the very first time I did anything organized and, and shot in front of other people. And that was almost, not quite, but it's almost as terrifying as going out of that, what is it, the 34-foot uh, 34 34 tower. tower the oh, second yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. That, that was pretty rough. So I, I have heard YouTubers and guys say, you know, in my experience, I've never paid attention to my feet in, in combat. Uh, and you know what? I can honestly say the same thing. I've never paid attention to my feet in combat mm-hmm. because I didn't have to. Exactly. And that's, that's the key, is doing the static training. You're training your body so that you don't have to think, is my dominant foot to the rear? It, am I holding the pistol correctly? Because you have practiced it so much that your body mechanics just go on autopilot. They do what they need to do. You find yourself in the right position so that you can focus on those more dynamic things. Mm-hmm. And that's the importance of doing those good, slow quality reps. You're building the muscle memory. So with those early classes, that's what we're focusing on. I mean, we go through the eight principles. First, your stance. Get your stance right. Uh, You want a good, aggressive stance. Don't be afraid to blade out. Bend those knees a little bit. A good athletic uh, stance so that you're preparing yourself for later training and everything that uh, you can move when you can move quickly. You want a, a good grip with your pistol or mounting the gun if you're running your rifle. Uh, all those things, we, we go through all, all the finer points in that and making sure people, uh, they, they understand it. And then just a quick run through all of them. And then we do a sight alignment, sight picture, breathing control, trigger control, the follow through and, and the recovery. So we, we hit all those and talk about all those. And again, we don't gloss over or we, at the beginning, we're not saying anything at all like, well, this wasn't as this principle isn't as important as another no it's it's all important it's all encompassing and then when we go out to the range now people are finally getting ready to shoot what do we do we're we're doing single shot we are doing single shot and we're starting at what we call position three so at chest level underneath your chin with your with your pistol or at a ready position with your rifle whether low ready high ready or or the, the depressed muzzle and then you're driving that gun up, getting that side picture, applying pressure, firearm goes off, recover, get back down, get a second side picture, and then reset the trigger. And we're taking our time doing that. And then the people are feeling, they're learning. This is how my gun's going to act. This is how it's going to recoil. This is what it feels like. Wow, I'm, I'm really anticipating. <laughs> uh, I, I had those sights right on that target. And look, it's, it's slightly to the left, and it's like four inches below where it should be. And as they're, they're learning... Then where they're giving them feedback, adjust this, correct that, do that again, do that again, don't anticipate. And giving that each individual, giving them some of that feedback while they're doing those drills, because it's important for them to understand. And that's another thing, too. We really get into the the why. You know, why am I doing this? This is why. This is how your body's going to respond. This is how to do it the right way. Let's do it again. We want you to feel what right feels like. I remember when I went to, to Sephardic. And, man, I, 
I had the choice at the time. You could choose to either run a Glock 19 or you could choose to run a Beretta. And I was stupid. I'm like, oh, well, I know the Beretta and, and I don't want to fail. So I'm going to I'm going to use that M9. Man, that was one of the worst mistakes <laughs> of my life because we did. I, it seemed like we did half a day. We were on that range pressing out from position three to position four in, in single shot. And with that huge double action on that Beretta, at the end of the day, my trigger finger and half, not all of my hand, but about half of my, my right hand had never been so smoked before. I could hardly even move my finger because I did that so many <laughs> times. And what are they doing there? And what, what are we trying to do? It's just get those perfect repetitions and taking your time. So I, I've never been a Sephardic. Yeah. But I had the worst team leader that I've ever had. I do not like this guy. Um, he went. He he left our team and went over to Alpha One Five. Okay. Because he was so bad that Third Battalion was like, "We are just going to get rid of this guy by giving him to First Battalion." He I mean, went to A One Five. Yes. Wow, it took him right. two times to pass. Okay. Uh, but because he was a captain, they sent him a, a second time. Um, guy was never invited back to Fifth Group. Uh, <laughs> So when he went, he asked me, okay, I was the 18 Bravo. Chris, what what should I take? Should I take a M9 or should I take a, a Glock 19? And I said, sir, do you own a Glock 19? No. Sir, have you ever fired a Glock 19? Once or twice. I said, take the M9. <laughs> now, my, my reasons were he had... He was probably one of the worst pistol shots on the team. Yeah. Um, would a Glock 19 have improved that? No, because he didn't have the good fundamentals. That that was his problem. Gotcha. Uh, so it would have just, it would have been learning something. He couldn't, he struggled enough with the trigger. And, you know, we've talked about the trigger difference and placement of, of the finger that I had spent that entire deployment working with him and his M9 to the point that I had him finally got that trigger correct. And I was like, you know that trigger. So I'm glad he was smoked that, that first day. Uh, that makes me happy to hear that. Yeah. Man, that was rough. But that, that's why we do what we do with those classes. Start them off slow. And we make sure people understand the, the why and then the how. They know how to do it. And, and the thing, <clears throat> the basic class... That is what I do when I go to the range. Right now, uh, with ammunition prices and uh, time, I'm not going to the range like I used to. Well, shoot, compared to when I was in group, especially. Yeah. All right? So when I do go to the range, when I'm actually doing the live fire, which is now supplementing my dry fire when it used to be a reverse, I do those basic drills. I focus on those basics. And then I, towards the end, I might get a little dynamic. So then after the single shot, then we go to, to control pairs? Absolutely. <clears throat> Again, we like control pairs. We don't like double taps. Uh, as I understand and was taught, a, a double tap is one sight picture, and you squeeze the trigger twice as fast as you can, hoping you can get two really good and close shots and uh, a tight group. And really, on a flat range like this, you can really fake yourself out that you're doing good stuff with that. But we prefer a control pair where you're forcing yourself to have a sight picture well, before and after. that I like to talk about is... Okay, at that close distance, you can fake the funk. Mm -hmm. uh, take it back to the 25. And when people are like, oh, well, 25 meters for the pi pistol, that's, that's, a, that's unrealistic, you know? Uh, okay, 
go to Walmart. You're that good, you know, citizen. You have your uh, concealed carry. You're in the frozen foods and someone's, uh, you know, down by the bakery and they're causing uh, causing a disturbance. That's over 35 meters. You're looking at taking a 35 meter shot with people. Mm-hmm. Can you do that? All right. Can you get that double tap off? Yeah. You know. So, so what does that translate to? Maybe you get one side picture, and then after that, every time you pull the trigger, it, it's just blind. Yeah. And that's where we get all those law enforcement individuals out there that have been in a, a situation um, who will sit there and be like, oh, you never use your sights. And that's where that whole rumor of, oh, you never use your sights comes from. Now you, you use your sights. You use your yeah. sights because you train. You do that slow build of that muscle memory. Yeah. So that you have that individual sight picture every time. And then when you shoot rapidly, your conscious mind is not going to make the difference between a sight picture before and after, but subconsciously you will. So, because you've trained yourself yep, to it. Exactly. And that, that's the purpose of those static drills is to build that capacity. And, and even when we go beyond, you know, single shot control pair, then we do rhythm drills and we love to shoot in a half and half. But then when we get in, start getting into the target identification or the target recognition where we're calling out a color or we're calling out a shape still in that static line um people aren't moving you're still doing you know that same thing and they've got to identify the target and as soon as they see it then they're pushing out to engage so in that static format we're slowly building them up each drill is building them on the one before it so that they're able to manage that that little stress that's there they're able to manage and be successful and in that way they're not uh glossing over or forgetting or skipping any of the, the eight principles so even though they might be shooting a string of three rounds at a whatever random color or shape that we call out because it's, they've been building and building and building there's really no difference between what they're doing when they shot single shot th- to that point there still should be employing those eight principles those eight fundamentals of shooting absolutely <clears throat> one of the things that are really beneficial by running a flat range the right way and by doing those those static drills and that static training is not only are we adding to the difficulty of of the drill itself okay now we need to do some math you know we want you to you know the eight plus two where, where's the number 10 at oh they're engaged that that number 10 target or, or whatever the case may be we're adding things that way but then also we're adding to the procedure so at the conclusion of that now we have people who not only are they loading the proper way and then they're working either from the draw or working from from position three as they're shooting but now they're also once they're done they're reassessing their targets now they're also doing a 360 degree scan and again the scan you can just you know move your head okay you're really not doing anything but we really drive okay you just were in a fight you just eliminated a threat that person could have allies that person could have friends that person can you know there are other things going on we want you to to actually look and and we do things to encourage people to to look and give us feedback but everything all those procedures are are built slowly upon so it's doable so that they can digest it all instead of just throwing them out oh hey here's you know here's a to z execute and for that person who has never done it before especially or more importantly for that person who has done it before and has forgotten things 
and has started to skip some of those procedures or some of those steps by doing it again slowly. Now it's build, Re- rebuilding that capacity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and then they might have completely forgot, oh, I, sh- I should be doing this, this particular thing. Um, and, you know, just being human being, they've forgotten it. But now they're being re-exposed and they know what to do. When the stress do, does come and, and in a fight, the stress is there. That's when you start to see what capacity you've built in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the, doing the correct loading procedures. I talk about it in every class. It's not just a basic class. It's in every class about doing and building that muscle memory, having the same touch points, uh, always feeding from the same pouch. I tell the story about the uh, the Fed guys that we're, we were training. We spent a whole week with them on the flat range. And every time they'd go out, the guy, you know, every time they were doing pistols, I would see him. He would have his uh, his pistol mag that he was going to, he would have his mag pouches loaded, but then he'd have his one for the gun. He'd stick it in a rifle pouch because it was easy to draw and he'd pull it off the belt every time. And I'd said it, hey, always load from that go-to pouch. Do your admin load like you're doing a combat reload. Mm-hmm. And sure enough. Friday, we're doing the stress test, very first thing in the morning, and we're running them. They're on the clock. They're competing against their their uh, their partners, and uh, the stress is definitely there. Guy goes dry in his pistol, goes to that pistol reload, grabs that rifle magazine because there's now a rifle magazine in that pouch, and tries to put that rifle magazine into a Glock 19. M4 mags or AR mags do not fit in a Glock 19, even if you try under stress to put them in there. Now, I know there are some other magazines that you can really jam into things. You probably put a Glock 19 mag into an AR. Yes, you can. Uh, doesn't work. But anyway, so he's, he's trying to shove that magazine in, and um, he can't. He's frustrated. He chucks it, which he needed that ammunition later down. So he ends up failing because he failed to build that capacity on the flat range. He failed to follow the proper steps. Now, We've all seen Charlie Sheen, all right? We've, we've all grown up with the movies, you know, Platoon, Navy SEALs. Well, you are an old man. Half the people listening, like, Charlie it's, who? Okay. What? All right. Everyone's seen Platoon. If you uh-huh. haven't, great movie. Where they, they go to walk. It's, a, it's an anti-American movie, isn't it? They go to walk I, outside the wire. I'm sorry. You all keep right. going. <laughs> and, you know, lock and load. They throw the magazines in and rack the charging handle. Mm-hmm. We have all grown up with that poor, poor uh, way of doing things. Yeah. We know that Hollywood teaches poor marksmanship and poor weapons handling, as seen recently. Mm-hmm. All right. So why are we loading our guns like we see in the movies? Why are we throwing a magazine in and then racking the slide? Because they've watched that movie so many more times and they've actually, actually done, done it. it. Yeah. And because they've gone to a poor instructor, because it looks cool, because you have that, yeah, moment Instead of doing it slowly and methodically, doing that admin load, Mm -hmm. doing the static training. You don't need to do the dynamic training. Do the static. Do it properly. Load your secondary first. Then load your primary. Do it correctly every time. Well, and I'll just go through the steps. Uh, For those of you who haven't been to one of our classes, we preach and we like an admin load. And the reason why we like to do the admin load this particular way, or one of the reasons, is because it is a slow, methodical uh, 
perfect repetition of you doing an emergency reload or a combat reload. So first thing we want you to do is get a sight picture, whether it's with your pistol or with your rifle. After you get the sight picture, bring it into your workspace. Lock the slide to the rear or lock the bolt to the rear. After that, uh, quick do a three-point check. So I'm looking down the barrel, back of the slide or back of the bolt, down the magazine well. After and, and because we're on on radio or yeah. podcast. When we say look down the barrel, we're talking looking through the chamber into the barrel. <laughs> Thank you. Okay? Thank you. Yes. So yes. We, when we're on the range and we we say that, people are seeing what we're doing. But yeah. since you can't see what we're doing, you look into the chamber, through the chamber, into the barrel. All right? Yeah. Not at the good, end of the good gun. Call. Good All right? call. And then after that, you're, you're drawing the magazine. And like Chris said, it should be your, your ready mag position or should be the one that you're, you're going to go to first. And then insert the mag with a pistol usually it's easy for you to immediately insert it and then what we like to do is a slide stop insert the mag hit the slide stop usually with that same hand it goes forward push out and you can do another sight picture and then if you want to do a press check that's the time to quick do press check if you don't need to do one and press checks that's a whole nother uh that's a whole nother podcast probably um but after you do that then you can holster up or with your rifle uh, especially with the AR platform, you're going to take the the uh, the magazine, and I prefer the the beer can grip with my thumb extended al- along the top of the uh, the magazine. I'm going to insert the magazine well, push pull, make sure that's seated. My thumb's right there. I'm going to hit the bolt release, let the bolt go forward. I'm bringing the gun up to another side picture, and then again, if I want to do a press check, that's the time to do that. And there's there's different um, techniques and various ways to do that. And then now I know my, my rifle's ready. So by that slow, methodical way, that administrative load, it's identical then to what I'm going to do when I'm under stress. I'm shooting, pop, 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 slide locks to the rear, immediately back to my workspace. I've depressed and dropped that magazine. I'm feeding it just like I did when I did an administrative load. Hit that, the, um, the slide stop and press back out and, and continue doing what it is I need to do. And that spare magazine, that extra magazine that you had, you put that, set yourself up for success. Load that good pocket. I've I've seen guys do everything correctly and then not feed and then not feed that yeah. that ready mag, and it's this this small thing, doing it right every time, you're going to see the benefit when you are put under stress. Absolutely, when you're, when you're put on the clock. When you're being shot at, when your gun has a malfunction and you need to fix that malfunction because you've done the slow methodic, you're able to be successful when you're dynamic. So our marksmanship classes, our level one classes, that first day, it's it's fairly slow. Well, what I would say is slow and, and methodical. You know, we're just shooting drills with single shot control pair rhythm drill you're getting into some target id and then depending on the number of students in the class you might get a little bit further than that but then that's done and then what we do on the second day is in a much faster way we go through again those same principles and we're going to shoot those exactly the you know the same drills just maybe a little bit faster than what we we shot them the day prior so what that allows especially for those new shooters Shoot, it doesn't even matter if it's new shooters because I, I go through the, through the same thing. You're doing everything and being exposed to everything slow. And then 
you're going to go home, you're tired, you're going to sleep on it, think about what you did, and then you're coming back fresh the next day, and you're going to repeat all those things. And then we get in, at the because since it's going faster, we do a lot more drills you know, at the end of the day that we didn't do the first day. But it's that, that repetition and allowing people to get good reps, sleep on it, rest, come back fresh, same reps. That really helps the people learn, really helps them to now that they're starting to grasp and understand, not just intellectually, but their body starting to understand how to do and how to perform and how to get hits where they need to. So those two days uh, I found really beneficial for, for people to do back to back. And for those unfortunate people who have gone to some of these fantasy camps who, you know, day one, like the guy I was talking about before, when, okay, drill number three, now you're doing transitions in our basic rifle class and then you're running around to come to some real training that we offer and that other people offer that after that experience that's got to be boring why aren't we doing cheetah flips right now why aren't we doing combat rolls well because this is real training and you need to put in the time you need to put in the reps in order to get hits where they need to be and then on that third day part of that that static range that's one of the most beneficial classes <laughs> that that we do and that's we get into malfunctions and let people, you know, we'll teach them techniques, educate them with some principles, and then let people figure it out. You know, and when we're doing malfunctions, not only are we setting up, you know, simple stuff, stovepipes, double feeds, uh, stuck mags, and, and a plethora of, of, of problems, um, and everyone is fixing them with both hands. Then after they understand it and intellectually they know how to fix it with their firearm, then we force them to do everything strong hand only. And then at the end of the day, everyone has to fix those same uh, series of, of malfunctions and weak hand only. And again, the stress is they're just trying to figure it out. There's no re reason to be running around or, or doing anything else. So this last class uh, during malfunctions, it was awesome. It was raining like crazy. Uh, guns started to malfunction. As they were doing, you know, they, they would have one malfunction that they needed to do and another malfunction would occur because of environmentals. And it really beat home how these things are real and you need to know it. It was awesome. We're, we're doing, you know, uh, stovepipes and they clear the stovepipe, but a double feed happens. <laughs> you know, I'm still looking at thinking, how did that happen? Yeah. You know, worn out magazine. Okay. Well, was that the class that... uh first time i i'd ever I, I wasn't there but you took a picture where um we had around the going, going backwards, backwards. Yeah. yes that's nuts that was crazy now my question was was it a reload was it factory uh original or was the person shooting with the shooting reloads because if it's a reload okay then that's the problem whoever reloaded it that's where that problem would be i can't imagine that the actual rim fitting down into the uh, so i'm not sure okay um i i don't know <clears throat> um I know that uh, that individual was running Cheyenne ammo, um, so I gave him some of mine, and I had a mixture of both. I had hmm. some reloads and some uh, some factory. Okay. So I don't know what which box he get grabbed from. So, um, yeah. Okay. So w with this static training, again, it's important to keep going back to it. Um, we do it. Yeah. It's the first week of cephalic, and you do cephalic before every deployment. Yeah. I mean, I remember doing this like almost every every year. Uh, there is such value to it. And it's that 
the unfortunate thing of pride. So you have individuals like, well, I've already done the level one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I don't know? need to do that. Yeah. Well, so have I. Shoot, I teach the level one, but I do the level one. Yeah. I, I go back. These are the same drills. I do it myself. And, uh, and, and again, the, uh, the misinformation or the uh, mistakes that, that some people make, you mentioned pride, but it's, I've already done that. So now I don't need to do that. I'm just going to do dynamic stuff. I'm just going to, every class I attend or anything that I do at the range, I'm going to be running around and, and never take the time to go back to those, those basics. Or even if they do, you know, uh, again, people doing the, the four minute abs. Well, I am only going to think about, I only, for the real world, I only need to focus on these two principles and instead of so I had, a, I had my experience this year where we had the, the level one class, mm-hmm. had two shooters in the level one class that then were in the level two class that followed. Okay. And one of the shooters, I believe that was his second time in the level one class. Um, but he did the practice. He, he worked on his fundamentals throughout the time between the two classes. The other individual did it. Didn't go to the range, just showed up to the class. And there was a significant difference between the two individuals, not just in the mindset, but in the performance of the gen- of the two gentlemen, where in the first class, they were right on par with each other. Gotcha. But in the second one, where the first individual who had practiced, he had gone out and gone to the flat range, worked on those drills and those fundamentals. He had done his dry fire drills. When the stress was put on, he handled it much better than the other individual. Gotcha. So right before we get into the, you know, start talking about dynamic uh, training, one of the mistakes that people make, again, is is if they only do static training. So they only sit there and at a 15-meter line or a 10-meter line working on single shot and man, they're good. Oh, it feels it feels yeah. great. To, yeah, they, to, they, you it, can cover with a dime. Exactly. Man, I I I feel so awesome. Yeah, and and they're taking you know ten minutes to shoot mm-hmm. ten oh, rounds yeah. in order to do that. Yeah. You have to after you have that initial understanding of those eight principles. After you spent that time with the static shooting, static training, you have to push yourself. That's the only way to grow and develop. And you have to you have to start doing other things. Um, again, on the static line, you can still. Uh, Increase the distance. That's one thing that can help you. You know, to change up the drill, also change the pace. Push yourself for time. That that's those are some of the things that, that you can do. Change the targets. Make the targets smaller, or, or vary the targets. Again, those are good things you can do in the static line to help push yourself. But really, what you need to do is you need to to be a good defensive slash combat shooter. You, you need to start going dynamic. So with dynamic. We're starting to introduce the real world. And one of the first things that we do is uh, we'll do a little bit of, of, of turning movements. Um, and again, in of, them, of themselves, turning movements, uh, drills, you know, whatever. But what it is, is just that little uh, introduction to, okay, now I'm, I'm not just standing still. Now I'm, I'm, I'm doing something else. And one of the things that we preach, one of the things I preach, is, is the procedure of how am I engaging a target? Eyes, head, body, gun. My eyes are going to see it. My head's going to start to turn. My body's moving towards it while I'm bringing that gun up to acquire that sight picture. So when we do target ID, it's the same concept. Eyes, head, body, gun. But because you're, you're parallel to the target, you're, you're flat, um, you don't see it as much. Mm-hmm. And people, will, again, 
you can you can cheat yourself, you can yeah. fake yourself out on the flat range. You throw those turns into it, it forces people to actually look with their eyes, to actually turn their head, then their body. And that's the way you do it. We always, since we were little, little children, our eyes locked onto the target first, then our body oriented, orient. <laughs> yeah, our body turns to the target. <laughs> Sorry, speech is difficult uh-huh. for me today. The English language, one day I'll master it. And then we move our point of finger, or then we move our gun. Yeah. And we're doing the same exact thing here. I saw a, a post somewhere by a, a guy that I respect, and he was, uh, he was blasting uh, turning movements that they're, you know, silly and, and you know, you're, you're not benefit from it. And I just... I was kind of surprised. I, don't know, I, th- I thought you knew a little bit better. Again, doing tur- turning movements is for social media are, are the same thing like those people who are doing, uh, you know, a draw in, in one shot on, on a pro timer and like posting that like that's a big deal, you know, in of itself, who cares? But breaking firearms training down like a professional sport, you know, you need those, mm-hmm. those times. It's, those it's small little step. things. Yep. It's a dance step. Yep. You know, you have to get that move down. Yeah, you're um, not you're not playing the super bowl every day yeah and it's it is going to help you understand that part of that target id it's going to help you to understand your body mechanics we're we're training those things into you so that the next step yeah you're prepared for exactly so then the next step after that is movement so and it's it's very simple we're just walking forward and uh, what you want to do and what we try to do is isolate your your feet with your steps to when you're going to engage that target. If left unchecked, a lot of people will develop a, a habit. You know, we'll give the, the command or, or the prompt or the, they'll see the, the indicator, okay, now I need to shoot. You know, so then they'll either pause or they'll wait till their right foot's placement or someone, they get into a habit, whether, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is, right foot down, left foot down, whatever, before they engage. So as the instructor, one of the things that we're doing as they're walking is I'm making sure I'm calling the prompt to shoot. Um, I'm watching, I'll pick one person and just use them as the base. So then I'm watching to make sure every time I call it, their feet are, are in a different location. So as not to, to build that habit. You know, talking about, uh, the game, yeah, uh, you know, competition. My my mentor who uh, does the Cowboy Three on. Yeah, we were talking about movement and shooting, walking while shooting, and he concentrates on only taking those shots when his right foot hits the ground. Uh huh. Because then he's in proper body position, and so he only takes those shots for that. Yeah, competition and because uh-huh. it's competition. So he has he paces himself, and you know he has a. a prescribed distance because the movement lanes are are very particular in his sport and it's a sport it is completely different what we're talking about is you have worked the fundamentals so well in the flat range that when you find yourself hey my left foot is superior but i have to take that shot because Mm -hmm. the target is presenting itself and i have to illuminate that target as quickly and as efficiently as possible i can't because i've done everything else correctly i can take that shot yes so after forward movement, then we get into lateral movement. And again, it's the same thing. I said body gun. So when you're walking, your feet should be going the direction of travel, whatever direction that is. And then when you identify a target, you know, that movement needs to be from from the waist up with your, your hips and your, your feet still pointing, you know, the direction of travel. 
and doing those uh, um, those turning movements to begin with helps your person, you know, helps them to be able to do that. Then after that, we do diagonal. So we teach forward movement, lateral movement, diagonal movement. And we gave everyone still, you know, yes, it's dynamic. We're moving, but it's still very much on that flat range. Once everybody understands that, that's then when we throw in the more dynamic drills where we want people to move in different directions and in and around objects, uh, cones to start with, maybe barrels or or whatever the range is going to present itself. So now that they understand, okay, this is what I need to do, then we start increasing some of the problems and making it a little bit more difficult for them to move their feet while they're engaging targets. (laughs) Fun stuff. That's that's really when it starts to get fun. It, It is. And you'll see people that have that good foundation do really well in those drills. And you'll see the people that have blown off things suffer. Mm-hmm. And again, what is your purpose being there? Or is your purpose to have someone yell at you and, and run around in a circle and um, make loud noises? Or <laughs> is your purpose to get good training and to be better? Yeah. And, that, you know, that I can't give that to you. You know, my, my what I can give you is I can give you good instruction, but it, it's on you to listen to the things that I'm teaching and to apply those principles. So the next thing with that dynamic range that we do is we introduce uh, barricades. And again, this, even though it's our level two class, still working those barricades, that's actually very static because we'll show a lot of different techniques and then allow the students to take their time, figure it out. And when you're approaching barricades, sometimes a barricade barricade is cover sometimes it's concealment sometimes it's neither of them um it's like a chain link fence that's not cover nor concealment but i can certainly use that chain link fence if i need to to stabilize my shooting platform and and get hits but in a static way we're exposing that to them and allowing them to as long as it's safe try any technique or, or anything because honestly we're all built differently different body types um some in shape, some a little, you know, less in shape. All of us are wearing different kit, uh, and unless you're in a specific unit. Um, but for these open enrollment classes, everyone has a different weapon. Um, some people have silly weapons. Most people have an AR platform. But because everything's different, then we'll teach a principle, we'll teach a truth, but then everyone's going to come up with their own individual technique, their own way they're going to solve that problem as they approach the barricade, whether keeping space or getting up close and, and actually leaning into it, you know, depending on the circumstance. So like Chris was teaching a a level two class with me and we had this individual who was, um, he was short. Okay. All right. Very short. And one of the barricades was a normal, you know, like I've got no problem shooting at the tallest point. Did did he have to stand on his tiptoes? He he was standing on his (laughs) tiptoes. But because he had good coaching from Chris Mm -hmm. And because he understood what he needed to do with those those fundamentals, he made it work and was getting good hits, awesome. consistent hits. It took a moment. We, you know, as I'm watching, he's getting put into those proper positions. But that individual now knows how to shoot on his tippy toes, <laughs> you know, um, and that's being in that that realistic changing world. Yeah. So in, in these level two classes, we really use the blend of the two. You have parts where it's static like we just talked about. It's static. We're learning barricades, learning different positions, learning what works, learning what doesn't work for those individuals. And then after that, then that's when we we go dynamic. 
and we set up simple problems and then each iteration the problems get more and more difficult with people you know shooting while they move running to different points utilizing cover uh, using those barricades sometimes getting distance sometimes getting right up and resting their firearms on um and going dynamic and allowing people to to move that is really allowing those people to to learn and allowing them to, to figure out what works best for them and if they didn't have that time to when it's slow, when it was static, when there was no stress, when there was no scenario or, or drill, um, just that a familiarization fire. Uh, if they didn't have that static time, there's no way they could perform as well as they do uh, dynamically. Now, one of the things with this dynamic training with now we're, we're moving, whether it's at one individual or uh, once the class starts to get advanced enough, we start doing buddy teamwork and bounding. One of the most important things about dynamic training is having a safety. So when you're moving like that, uh, I can't think of a time even when people moving individually that we don't have a safety with them. But especially when you're starting to do buddy team work, each shooter needs to have a safety. And what is that safety watching? That safety is watching the selector switch, making sure that um, when they're moving, when they are being you know dynamic, whether they're uh, moving from one point to another, or if they're if they're shooting and engaging targets while they're moving, um, that safety is watching the, the selector switch to make sure it's proper where it needs to be, um, making sure that it is on safe at all times until that individual is purposely trying to shoot. They're also watching that muzzle to make sure that muzzle is always pointed in, in a safe direction. And those safeties have to be Johnny on the spot. And it's you just can't do that training any other way. Uh, you have to have somebody watching and observing. And, and why is that? Well, obviously for, for safety, but two, it's a learning process for, for that individual. Now they've done stuff static. Okay, I've shot at these different barricades before. I, I know I can hit the steel that, that I'm aiming at. But now that they've had that, that sure foundation and all that, that prep work, now they shouldn't need to think about it. They should be able to move with their weapon on safe until they're at, at a point to shoot or if they're moving from uh, one position to another and engaging targets while they're moving uh, they should be able to do all that but but people get spun up people get amped up um, people make mistakes that's why you come to training so you need that safety there watching and observing so once uh you know i like to say uh the wheel keeps spinning but the hamster's dead right well once once that person starts to get vapor lock and and they start to lose that conscious uh, thought that's when that safety steps in there and, and stops and pauses them or you know does whatever to ensure that what they're doing is is safe but then also give them that pause okay you're there and let the person take a deep breath oh, yeah okay i'm good and then continue on in that yeah. drill talking about the safety uh, i know i've shared this story a few times because you know it's always i've had the the in the personal experience with this. So I hope you can gain from my, my experience, <laughs> but uh, safeties are extremely important on that, that AR platform on that carbine platform. You have to use the safety. There are units out there. There are people out there that say, Oh no, my finger is my safety yeah, again, Hollywood. All right. It takes so little effort to manipulate that selector switch, even on, you know, your AK platform. It is totally possible to do with just good training. So on me saying that, I'm going to share an embarrassing story. Okay. 
2003, we're in Baghdad. Uh, we're doing a, a hit, um, going after this guy. Number one man falls. I become the number one man, get to the door. And, oh, boy, our target, the guy that we're going after, he's in the doorway, and he has this chromed-out 1911 clone pointing right at my chest. I knew I could disarm him. It was one of those things that, you know, I totally could have taken the shot, totally should have taken the shot, but there was a reason that we didn't take the shot, and, uh, you know, my my M4 was up, selector was on fire, finger was on trigger, and I ended up taking the pistol away from clocking him in the head with it, passing the pistol back through the squad, Pass the individual back through the squad. That's right. You told a story before. Yeah, yeah. I, I've shared yeah. this story. I don't know if on the podcast, but I know I've shared it in yeah. classes. Um, and it was one of those moments where, like, this guy, we get a bunch of information on him, high fives all around. It was a time, you know, I was in the 82nd. The idea of taking a, a high-value target and taking him alive, that wasn't a thing. But <laughs> that's what, what came out of this, yeah, you know, yeah. good situation. Um, anyways, go through clearing the house. All kinds of stuff's going on. All kinds of chaos is going on. And we finally, you know, objective secured. And I looked down, and my M4 was still on fire. I was horrified. I Like, right now, I, I'm almost shaking at, like, because I feel, because there were so many times that just the, the nature of the, the combat, just um, where things could have gone wrong where something could have activated my trigger. Um, Cute. Clearing the house. Oh, yeah. Running through stuff. Bouncing into walls. I mean, I I tripped in the house. Um, I could have shot one of my squad mates. I could have AD'd. I mean, or that is just horrifying, right? So what did I do? Corrective training. I sat there and I practiced that selector manipulation. I practiced it over and over. I did that in my dry fire for weeks. I share that story with you. Yeah, there was no negative outcome. No one other than myself and those of you out there listening now uh, know that that happened. Yeah. But I know that happened, and I never wanted it to happen again. I am in control. I am responsible. So I trained. I did that static training so that when the situation became dynamic— after that, I'd never had that incident again. My red dot disappeared out of my line of sight, and that weapon was on safe. Yep. So being a safety, that's that's a big deal. And, and depending on the class, then what we'll, we'll do is we'll even start to rotate, again, depending on the class, some of the students in to give them an experience. Of watching. Of watching. And paying attention for those things. Yeah. So that they're learning those lessons. There is a lot of value that we can have by paying attention to others. Absolutely. So with those level two classes there, like I said, we're doing some static and then start doing some dynamic, start moving around. Um, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but a gunfight is sensory overload. So when you're actually in that fight, just all my senses have been screaming at me. So when we start getting to the, the dynamic training, we start movement, start introducing that real world, that's one of the things that, that we are doing in, in a regulated, safe ways. We're adding more stress, more stress, more stress, and broadening that picture from just a 
a flat range where I'm just shooting forward to now we've got 90 degrees we can shoot, 180 degrees we can shoot, and just creating that, that world. Um, trying to prepare and give people that, that stress inoculation of, of that sensory overload. Uh, and that stress inoculation is so valuable. I, I can tell you from my first experience, you know, that invasion 2003 when I was in the 82nd, um, what I experienced, I mean, we're talking soda straw level, you know, awareness mm-hmm. to the end of my career where I was very situationally aware. Yeah. I, you know, the, the, I don't want to say that I was dead to the adrenaline, but, you know, I was better prepared for it. And it was because the, not just the gunfights that I've had, but it was all the training. Yeah. All of all of that building capacity for me. So now I can say the difference between the very first fight I was in to you know, later on, I was actually able to to process and think what was going on. Where the first time there's there, there's, there's so much. Yeah. Yes, and I don't care. Even with my experiences, uh, if I was faced with a fight here in the U.S., uh, there's so much. You know, I go, I walk out the door and I have my daughters with me. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many new different variables. There's going to be stressors. And how do we prepare for that? Well, we prepare for that by doing the good static and then dynamic training. The, the good dynamic training is, is forcing that student to solve problems. We're yes. giving them problems and we want them to, to solve them. And the thing too, is that one person's solution isn't necessarily another person's solution. So that's one of the things that we do is we step back a little bit um, figuratively and allow that student to come up with their own solutions when, when they're moving and when we're doing this kind of training. You know, it's, it's a box scenario, Yeah, but it's your box to be in. We're providing a safe environment for you to experiment in those things yeah. so you can find your solution. Again, we're all different body shapes. We're all different levels of, um, you know, fitness. We're all shooting different weapons. I mean, everyone should be shooting at an AR platform, but mm-hmm. every now and again, you got a guy that's got a toy war out there, um, you know, that, that wants to, well, you know, GI Joe's all came, uh, as I said in the beginning, you know, GI <laughs> Joe's all wore different clothes and they all had different uh-huh. guns, you know? Um, but so, yeah, if you, you want to think you're, uh, something different, but we're providing you an environment so that you can learn yourself and your equipment in a, in a safe, controlled manner. Let me break down um, one of our level three classes, uh, vehicle combatives class. So that's a, a two-day class. And through breaking this down, I just want to show and demonstrate how we use both static and dynamic uh, drills and training to, to build that class and, and to help those individuals. So usually to start, um, really it'll depend on, on the class and depend on how I'm feeling that day. Um, we'll either start with a basic warm-up, so static with single shot control pair rhythm drill, or uh, we will start with something dynamic, something cold, so people aren't, you know, there is no warm-up. How are you going to do uh, immediately um, if you're faced with the problem on the street? And we'll have them do a lot of movement, a lot of running, a lot of different problems. And again, we, we vary that, flip it back and forth, so as one the students don't know exactly what we're going to do when they show up that day. But then, too, uh, 
So people actually do face that problem uh, with, with no warm-up, and it's you know, fairly realistic. Then after they, they face that, that dynamic drill, uh, that problem, that unknown, and then we'll, we will quick do a, a, a warm-up with them, single-shot control pair and rhythm drill. So immediately we're, we're starting that, that variance. If we're using static strategically, then we're using you know, dynamic as well. Uh, with those classes, doesn't matter if it's the pistol or the rifle class, uh, then the first thing we really do is we get in techniques in and around a vehicle. So this is very static. We'll have still set up. We'll have the vehicles or vehicles set up in specific location, and then we'll go through, okay, here's a bumper. This is how you shoot around it, or this is how you get distance and, and shoot you know, space. This is how you're going to shoot through the, the windows. It's going to shoot you know, underneath the vehicle. How are you going to shoot over it? And then let everyone get an opportunity to, to do those things in a very static way. After that, we get into a vehicle lab. So then we'll demonstrate with with the pistol rounds or with the rifle rounds. This is what happens when you shoot a windshield, when you're shooting out, uh, when you shoot in, um, when you shoot the sides, uh, side uh, windows. This is what's gonna happen if you, you know, and we do the lab. Everyone here, shoot your gun into the door. Uh, what, are the, what are the results? Uh, everyone, you know, shoot through the windshield going out. Where, where's your point of impact? Where's your point of aim? And, and everything is very controlled and very static. It's, it's that learning and growth. Um, for some people, they've, you know, they've never shot. For most people, they've never shot inside a vehicle. And uh, even wearing ear pro, still in that fresh vehicle with the windows up and that windshield, that's kind of a loud concussion, and it takes some people by surprise. But again, it's very static in what we do. Then after we do that, that static portion with that vehicle lab, and then we start uh, getting dynamic, and we start doing bailout drills because the reality of, Fighting in a vehicle is if you're in a vehicle and you're under fire, the first thing you want to do is get out of Dodge, get off that X, because um, that vehicle is nothing but a bullet magnet. <laughs> if if you can't and the vehicle's disabled, then the best thing you need to do is get out. So so we start that simple: shoot through the windshield, then then get out on the the, the driver's side door, and then the next one. Okay, now get out the passenger side door. Get out and then make your way to the back of the car. And then with each excessive uh, repetition, we're adding more and more to it. So now we've got multiple uh, barricades and, and points of cover and concealment. So now you're bailing out of the car, you're moving to one, moving to another, all while engaging steel. So it's, it's dynamic and, and there's a lot of movement and a lot of moving pieces, um, but it's done in a manner that everything's digestible. You're not going to run out of that car with a buddy and, and run around to different points without first exiting that vehicle by yourself. Um, so then that, that logical conclusion is, you know, starting one man and then you get into a buddy and then you guys are bailing out and you're, you're doing all kinds of, you know, movements to different points of cover. You're you're learning the dance, (laughs) you know, you're learning the dance before you're at the wedding. There you go. It's just that simple. It may be fun to go to the nightclub and think that you know how to dance, but there are a lot of people filming you and putting you on uh, yeah. on on the internet saying, "Look at this fool." Okay, we're trying to build that capacity. We're trying to learn so that when the time does come, we can perform. We can do what is necessary. And those classes, we start those classes usually around noon or one p.m. because both days we go into the night. We spend so much of our time in and around vehicles, and then. We spend so much of our time in and around vehicles at night. So then we do all that, the, all that shooting and, and all those drills and stuff at night. And then uh, the second day, we just add more and more stress, more, more dynamic drills, more, you know, 
getting off the X, and then we conclude that second day by doing force on force. So then we remove all the live firearms, and uh, we'll use airsoft, we use UTMs, we use sim rounds, and we go force on force. One of the things that um, will cure people real fast when, once we go force on force is we make sure there's no front windshield anymore. So that's mm-hmm. removed. And all, by this point, all the side windows have been blasted out. So those individuals like, hey, this is fun, and I want to hang out inside of this vehicle. And, you know, they like shooting through the – because it's fun. It's 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 fun. I, it is. I, it is. Yeah. Shooting through the windshield, hitting steel and, and whatnot. Now, when they're faced with – live opponents like i'm going to hang out here and all of a sudden they're getting uh, rained on through that front windshield by people who have utms pain's a good motivator and they are motivated to get out of that bullet magnet very rapidly so we spend you know that second day the afternoon and and into the evening doing force on force and uh, that's again that's just beautiful good dynamic training real world get people you know to, to move find good points of cover find uh Good points of concealment. Definitely uh, a mind opener for uh, for a lot of people. So we were doing some training with uh, the hundred first. Yeah, and uh, we are in uh, Cassidy Mount site, so Urban Village. <laughs> I know Cassidy well. Yeah, in Fort Campbell, and uh, one of the the pet peeves that I have as an eighteen Bravo, as as a man who's stood many hours in the gun, is there's armor around the turret. And people think that they are protected in that armor and they'll hunker down and, and they'll lose situational awareness. Yeah. And so the, the convoy's rolling in and I'm sitting up on the second story and I have perfect line of shot on this guy and he is hunkered down and thinks that, that he is good. So I start giving him a little bit of love. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to gain that situation, trying to either get down or get up or anything like that. He's just sitting there taking these rounds, you know, getting peppered in the mask and in the helmet. Um, because he hadn't, he hadn't had that experience. Uh, he hadn't learned. Someone just said, Hey, you got arm around you. Stay down. You're good. And he thought he was when everything was all done and said at the AAR, that was one of the biggest take. He just kept raving about like, I, I realized that, that I'm not safe up there. I have to be paying attention. I have to be looking away. I hope that saved that kid's life. Yeah. I hope that other people there learn that lesson of you are not safe in the vehicle. You have to be paying attention. You have to know what's going on. Absolutely correct. Cool. Well, another uh, dynamic class that, and actually, we have a couple coming up in, in January. So excited for this. Yeah. Um, on January 13th is law enforcement only, but then the, the 14th is open enrollment for pistol, and then the, and then the uh, 15th is open enrollment for, for rifle. And that's uh, doing room clearing. Uh, these are, you know, for the two open enrollment classes, these are part of the home defense series, um, pistol workshop and then the rifle workshop. So what we're doing is, we have a very good modular uh, shoot house that we'll be using, and it's going to be that combination of static work as well then as, as dynamic work. So people coming there, you should have a good idea already of how do I run my pistol? How do I, I run, my, run a rifle? And then there in that environment, we're, we're going to teach you how to, how to clear a room, how to you know, do a, a, a corner-fed room one room how to do a center fed room again one room and those principles of of taking that room down and clearing it and then we'll get in the hallways and the stairs and everything but then we're going to go force on force and that's when it's uh 
that's when the real real learning occurs. So you have that opportunity to, to take part in those dynamic uh, drills and where I'm working against a, another person. I'm working against another threat. And this is primarily designed for single, you know, one person working alone or um, two man basically like a husband and a wife or, or a couple working together to clear rooms. And quite honestly, during a home invasion, safest thing for you to do is to get to that safe room and hunker down. But in the real world, there's other loved ones. There, there's kids. You're going to need to know how to move down that hallway. You're going to need to know how to uh, get into that room or to clear that room. So this is an opportunity to to learn it and to work together in that dynamic setting. I love doing these classes and it's it's... <laughs> The growth and the development is is phenomenal with individuals, but but if people come and don't have that sure foundation, if they don't know uh, what position one, two, three, and four is with the pistol, or if they don't know a low ready or high ready, or they don't know how to get you know rounds, if they haven't done the static training prior to, then it's just a travesty walking people going there and and well, this is this it's again. We're here to teach and instruct, not to entertain. Yeah. Uh, it's not paintball. And th- that's one of the things that in this class I really like is it's a limited round count. You can't just go wild. You don't just, you know, we're not playing a game here. Yeah. We're treating this where every round counts. That round, if it doesn't terminate in the bad guy. Well, what's, you know, what's the four rules of gun safety? Know what's beyond. That's right. Know your and, target. What's beyond? And it. what is in? What's beyond in your house? Drywall. Yeah. What's beyond that? Another room with a loved one in it, or even if you're shooting. I've, I had a student in a class tell us that he he liked armor piercing rounds just in case they come in with body armor. My thought is, if they come in with body armor, that's why we do a failure to stop drill. <laughs> um, you know, that's why I have a thirty round magazine. Uh, I don't want that round going into my neighbor's house. Yeah. I mean, if you live in a, and I live in a semi-rural area, but I still have neighbors and a five, five, six travels, it goes away. So I want every round to be terminating inside my target, not going through my target. I want to finish that threat. So there's such value in having that limited round count, doing those good fundamentals, doing this training, right? Yeah. It's not there to, again, it's not fantasy camp. We are here to learn how to protect our loved ones, how to secure our homes. That's exactly right. And yeah, I already mentioned, I I mentioned it too much. Uh, I I embarrass my wife every time I mention it, but because we've experienced it. It's real. Oh, it is real. I know. But because we've experienced it, you can experience it too. And I am extremely motivated to share proper techniques and to share principles that that are real that that will work that will help you to uh save your loved ones if if and when you're ever uh in that similar situation see i, I love love doing this it's, it's a great place too great great yeah, location it is. it is a very good location yeah. this is a location that um as an open enrollment class we're very lucky that you guys get to train here yes this, oh, oh, this yes. is where we train other people <laughs> and that's i'm 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 really excited that we have access to this for this this class yeah. and it, it, all of you that are out there listening we get the question hey what what classes should i do if you have the capacity if you've done the static stuff this is a class you want to take this year it, this is one that you 
if you can talk them into it, you definitely want to bring your Absolutely. significant other so you can practice that teamwork and you can work together. That's, yeah. Yes, I think, I know the classes end at five. I suspect we're going to go overtime on these classes. Yeah. Yeah. Just to make sure people get good mm -hmm. reps and, yeah. Yep. Certainly motivated. Anything else you want to add there, sir? No, I think this has been some good information. Yeah. So to recap everything, uh, if all you do is quote unquote dynamic training because, you know, you're harder core than the next guy and you want to beat your chest because you're just too cool to not do static training, you're wrong. If you uh, can shoot on that static line and you're punching holes in that, that a dime can cover um, and that's all you do, you're wrong. You need to do both to grow and develop as a shooter, to grow and develop and to increase your ability to protect yourself and to protect others. You need to do both. And it's that combination that really makes you that, that true light fighter, that true well-rounded individual. Cool. Well, uh, just wanted to remind you guys before we go, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. Uh, as lame as those organizations are, we do put out a lot there. Then also, we've just recently started a Gab uh, page, so you can follow us there as well. Also, I want to thank John. I don't think we've, maybe once or twice we've thanked him, but th he's the guy who uh, listens to all the stuff you guys don't hear, and he cleans it up and, and makes us sound good on, the, uh, on this podcast. So thanks, John, for all that you do. And with that, we'll talk to you guys next time. Take care. Yo, Joe! He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe!